We are here. We are back. Welcome back to the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast, everybody. This is a live edition, 12 o'clock on a Tuesday. Uh, just some programming updates. If you haven't already, go check out yesterday's Boys and Big Apple podcast. It was a, it was a fun show. It was a fun show. Uh, I got Joe from NYY News TV on. And then, um, you know, with that being said, I got Rob from Running Out Sports on. We talked Yankees. We also talked a little bit of Giants. And some Jets as well with Antoine Staley, who writes for the New York Daily News. Um, if I haven't said it already, please hit that like button, comment, subscribe, share out as well. Turn on that notification bell so you know when a live stream pops or a video drops. I might have to change my recording space in a little bit. But for right now, we're going to act as if uh, it's available. Um, also, this is probably going to be the final piece of content before I go to Florida, which is tomorrow. Uh, twin bill i'm trying to push it to be live at like 12 tomorrow so that way you know it doesn't bother my flight later in the day um but i appreciate you guys coming out for this one we have some topics to get to scott doherty uh from pronouncing that correctly of course will join us at 12 30 to talk some of the bangles talk some bangles a little bit um i always want to get to know the opponent whether it's the preseason whether it's the regular season whatever the case is we're into it all right so be sure to comment guys that's how the podcast goes longer of course i have my own segments but answering your questions uh helps along the way so here is the injury list as of sunday and monday now obviously it's changed a little bit today they had a cool down practice so nothing is really to take away uh which is kind of a good thing because i didn't want to write too many notes anyway shane lemieux Blake Martinez, Cam Brown, Kadarius Toney, Ricky Seals-Jones, Andre Miller, Nick Gates, Ellison Smith, John Feliciano, Leonard Williams, Matt Breida, Jamil Douglas, Dane Belton, Cordell Flott, uh, Josh Azudu, Austin Prell, David Sills, Jihad Ward, and Darius Williams were on the side. That was Sunday-Monday. Now, obviously, some of the players got, uh, got back. Uh, Aziz is back, so that's very good. Um, today was a rest day for Saquon Barkley and McKinney, uh, just a veteran rest day. So it's, you know, it's that way. Um, with that being said, Dable pointed out that Tyrod might get first team reps. I'll talk about that. I'll talk about the cuts the Giants made and the claim the Giants made. And then we'll go into about three, four different topics. And by that time, we should be pushed to the 1230 mark, um, you know, where, where you know, pretty much where we got Scott Doherty coming on. So I'm going to take a sip, and we're going to actually get started with this thing. Okay. So Dable pointed out today that Tyrod might get first-team reps. I don't know what it was taken out of context. Apparently, everybody's saying now that Connor Hughes was looking for clicks. And you know what? That doesn't surprise me because I've seen a lot of Jet fans rip him in the past for, for that same stature. Um, there's going to be a lot of controversy about that, whether he, you know, is taking first team reps, he's not taking first team reps. There's going to be arguments and there's going to be a lot of bullshit. Okay. So whether you're on the Daniel Jones side of things, whether you're on whoever side of things, or maybe you're a Tyrod guy, um, you know, there's going to be a ton of bullshit in this training camp. So be prepared for it, whether it's beat media induced, whether it's, you know, just fan induced, it's going to happen. But here's how I see things. Now, this is not going to be in one of the topics we talk about in a little bit, but I just wanted to clear the floor. Um, Shout-outs to Nimmer. Shout-outs to Bookend. He said he asked Dable if he would. 
Um, yeah, yeah. And once again, I think uh, Connor Hughes, at least from what I heard, took it out of context or you know did some beat shit with that. That's why the beat media can be very, very sketchy. They can get things wrong. Um, and they can misquote as well. So, you know, anyway. Um, how do I feel about this entire Tyrod Jones situation? I don't think I've explained my full thoughts on it. I may have, but I'll repeat myself again. Uh, the Boys and Big Apple podcast, I kind of reveal my thoughts. This is solely a Giants podcast. So in that respect, I will give my thoughts. <sighs> Tyrod Taylor was brought in to kind of push Daniel Jones a little bit. And also, you know, to have a better backup. Jones is injury prone. We know that. He goes down with an injury, you know, all these years. And um, they wanted somebody to come in here like the fan base did. They wanted somebody to come in here. And let's just say if the uh, if Daniel Jones gets injured, they don't miss a step with Tyron Taylor. And that's fine and well. Bookend says Dable said he probably will but won't let him – no, when because it would be more like a real season backup thrown at him, and it once more or less. That's actually a pretty good. Uh, it's actually um, a pretty good uh, scheme right there. So shouts to Brian Dable for that. Thanks for letting me know. It wasn't a competition thing. It never was a competition thing. But they brought Tyron Taylor in so that if Daniel Jones got hurt, he would not. The offense would not miss a step because we've had that happen way too many times this past season. You know, these past few seasons, and it's been happening with the wide receivers too. So, you know, there's that. Now, obviously, he is a better backup than the years past backups. That's why the whole Daniel Jones conversation comes to light. Here is my personal opinion: Is Tyrod a possibly more established quarterback right now? Yes. Does Daniel Jones have the upside? Yes. And. People get excited about Tyron Taylor because he's just a quick passer and he's more fluid. He is quicker in terms of his decision-making as of right now. But the thing is, Tyrod, in terms of this day and age now, we may be a run-first team to start the season. And do I like it? Yes. Do I love it? No. Because I'm a, for, a personally, I've turned into a pass-first guy, run-second, okay? Um but with the way the offense is struggling right now and the way they love the running game, it looks to be as if the running game could be first. And if it works, it works. I don't have an issue with that. Um, with that being said, Tyrod has only thrown, in terms of his career high, 20 touchdowns. Daniel Jones has thrown 26. Now, that was one season for each quarterback. Obviously, Tyrod Taylor has been more consistent. He's also injury prone. So what are my thoughts on that? Um, 20 touchdowns isn't going to get it done in today's NFL. If you're a passing or you're a rushing quarterback or your team's a rush first offense, it's not going to get it done. And I'm not saying Daniel Jones' 10 touchdowns is going to get it done. But the final line when we get to this is my opinion Unless Daniel Jones, in, in the middle of the season, is seriously hindering the production and the progression of this offense, guys like Wandale Robinson, guys like Kenny Galladay, guys like Darius Slayton, the running game, something along those lines. If he hinders production to a massive level, 
then you put Tyrod Taylor in. There's no point to put him in, if anything else, unless Daniel Jones is injured. Why is the fan base, some of it going towards Tyrod Taylor should be the starter? A, he's more established, and you know what? Sometimes I can get that. But what's the point of, th- of throwing a backup in there? It's basically a stopgap. Uh, Shane Lemieux, and this is a different situation, of course, because I was talking about it last night. And this is a little like the Aaron Robinson stuff. I'll get you guys' comments in a second. I see there's some comments that I got to read. Here's where I compare the Aaron Robinson and Tyrod Taylor thing. You got to let the young guys grow. Um, well, I discussed the Aaron Robinson thing before. I know a lot of people, you know, overreact on Twitter to it. Don't bring a veteran in to be a backup. Bring a veteran in to be a backup and don't bring him in to be a starter because this is a year for the young cats. This ain't a year where we're just going to throw shit together and hopefully it works. That's not going to happen, okay? Jerry Reese was very famous for patching everything together with horrible free agent signings. Not saying that Joe Shane signed any horrible free agents, but I'm just comparing. And then on the other hand, you had the last regime for the last four years what they tried doing is after a year of basically trying to run it back, they started rebuilding and the players never really developed well. Um, there have been some cornerstone pieces, but that's a different story. Um, so my point is, unless Tyrod is you know, in because of a Daniel Jones injury or Daniel Jones is hindering the progression of this offense, then I don't see a reason why he should come in. What for wins? doesn't make sense because we're not winning this year we're not winning enough to get in the playoffs it's not happening now i could be wrong i hope to be wrong but i think fans just want wins on the board rather than a true answer sometimes that's my opinion and i understand that shout out to jeffy what's going on nyg jeffy 3285 uh connor hughes on twitter exactly said we've been all saying about galladay is square peg in a round hole trying to fit him in an offense that doesn't that he doesn't have the skill sets equated for that's a topic we're going to get to i would put this drink down but uh appreciate you tuning in jeffy uh he's got a channel of his own so be sure to subscribe there so that's pretty much my thoughts on this whole tyron jones situation if jones is seriously hindering the production of this offense you take him out you put tyron in otherwise you don't. You don't do anything with him. If he takes risks, that shouldn't be an that shouldn't be an issue in my opinion, unless it's too many. Because last couple of years, I know this is, is you know deemed an excuse by everybody, but last few years he's he's not been able to take risks. All of them have been checkdowns and flats and shit. We know the story. So once again, for the final time, unless Daniel Jones is hindering the absolute production of this offense, or he gets injured, unless that happens, Tyrod Taylor should not be in, in my opinion. And you know what? If he fails, if Daniel Jones fails, then draft the quarterback next year. Go trade up for one, something like that. The class is loaded. I'm pretty sure you know, a lot of people feel that way, and I feel that we're going to end up getting a quarterback, but I want to see what Daniel Jones does in a new offense this year, my personal opinion. Uh, We need to know what AR is and see how he progresses. He's going to learn by the fire. Absolutely right, Bookend. Absolutely right. And I think a lot of these fans, to be honest with you, they don't have patience. And once again, that comes with the learning. That comes with the fact that, well, I mean, we've been a sucky team for the last 10 years, but 
we can't stunt growth by putting in veterans just because we want to see a couple of wins on the board. It has to be progression. It has to be wins down the line. But we, we can't sit here and say, okay, we're going to bring in A.J. Boye. A.J. Boye, he's past his prime. Uh, Jeffy says, don't mind giving Robinson the time he needs to learn to play in this defensive system and also learning the NFL game. He missed half of last year due to an injury. This a lot of people forget. Fans want quit want a quick fix and don't take the time needed for and don't want just to, uh, to just take the time needed for rebuild. Yeah, they've seen a rebuild. I'm sorry, I was stuttering there, but um, they they've been seeing a rebuild for the last few years and it hasn't come out to anything. This year is about the future. Absolutely correct. Um, with that being said, I, I do want to move on to a different subject. Give me one second. I got to blow my nose. As you guys can tell, I'm stuffy. Stay here. Exactly. It is not necessarily about wins and losses. It's about more foundation being built. Identity being formed. Uh, thank you, uh, Jeff. Uh, we'll be right back after these sneezes. Yes, yes. I like that, Jeff. Um, exactly. Yeah. And then Joe is getting cap healthy for future years. Yeah, that's what he should do. That's what he should do, in all honesty. Um, with that being said, the Giants cut Gavin Heslop, Michael Jacquet, Jeremiah Hall, Austin Prale, Josh Rivas, and Gerard Wilson while claiming Elijah Griffin. Don't know too much about Elijah Griffin. Um, but with that being said, with that being said, he's depth. Is it depth that will turn out to be great? I don't know. I mean, he's never played an actual NFL game. So we'll see about that. Uh you know, cutting Heslop is not necessarily a move that I'm a fan of. Same thing with Jeremiah Hall. And it's a little thin in the secondary in terms of proven depth. So I hope they get something going. Down the line, they probably will in terms of the waiver wire. But you need veteran depth in the secondary. There's no doubt about that. They waived Gerard Wilson, which, you know, I personally didn't care about. Um, go ahead, wave Gerard Wilson. We got Andrew Adams. We got one of the rookie safeties plus love. McKinney and Belton, uh, who will come back at some point during the season. Uh, yeah, just overall, Michael Jacquet, I mean, he had a weird camp, sometimes penalties and giving up catches, sometimes pass deflections. So I don't know. I thought he did pretty decent compared to the other corners the preseason game, but I guess he got cut. Uh, Austin Prail, I mean, we have a ton of wide receivers, and he was just never going to make the roster. The one I am pissed about, I also Josh Rivas didn't make – you know, it's a Tuesday and he got cut. Um, the one I am pissed about is Jeremiah Hall because we are very low on the tight end position. We have running backs. That's no problem. But Andre Miller is hurt. Austin Allen is unproven. Daniel Bellinger is the only guy that's going to make the roster as a lock. Chris Myrick is a blocking tight end. And Jordan Akins has just shown up all camp. So... Whether they want to go with a fullback or not, I, I guess that's something they've been experimenting with. I'm not sure if they will go with it during the season. I'm just a little surprised, and I wanted Jeremiah Hall to make this roster because I thought he had a lot of upside, um, unfortunately. But Jeff says um, Jeremiah Hall cut surprised me a little, but I get the move. Warren G's son, the former rapper Elijah Griffin. Interesting. I think they believe in Austin Allen and Andre Miller and probably want some more vets out there. That's true. That's true. Possibly be the truth. Um, 
So let me go to a one where like a lot of people may feel differently than I do, but I've come around to this opinion. And you guys know that I'm not a Darius Slayton homer, but the Giants need Darius Slayton. Um, he takes the top off of a defense. And are they going to throw it to him a lot? Probably not. But are they going to use him as a decoy for deep routes? It's definitely possible where, you know, he's running deep and the Giants run some, I would guess, horizontal shit that actually works out like whip routes and crossing routes. That's what I'm excited for in this offense. That's why I expect in this offense, at least, you know, my expectations, uh, not anyone else's. But there is nobody else that can take the top off of defense. And the Giants need Darius Slayton because of what's been going on. The injuries to certain players, the injuries to certain players, and Kenny Galladay. That's a topic we got to get to at some point. I know I've talked about it before. I'll talk about it again. Um, But this depth isn't too great, but you have a lot. So it's like quantity over quality in this case, and that's not necessarily what this wide receiver room needs. You got Sterling Shepard, who's injured, okay? You got Kadarius Toney, who's on and off. Can we trust him for a full season? Rich James is likely making the roster. Colin Johnson should make the roster, in my opinion. Um, you got Kenny Galladay, probably talked to him already. Wandale Robinson, and that's pretty much it. Now, you take a look at the other guys. If you're looking at a Jason Garrett offense, the past offenses we had, maybe some of these guys are fits. But do you see Alex Bachman taking the top off of a defense? No. You see CJ Board taking the top off of a defense? No. You see Keelan Doss doing that? No. Robert Foster? No. Marcus Kemp, special team? No. David Sills? No. He shouldn't even make the team. So you go down the list there, and with Shep and Tony being injured mostly all the time, you need Darius Slayton. Now, he needs to fucking perform. There is no question about that. He needs to absolutely perform. One player you uh, would take from the Burrows minus Burrow and Chase. That's a very good question. Um, One player I would take. Holy shit. Um... Man, all right. I'm, I got to think about this. We need corners right now. Maybe defensively, because we have good edges, but Hendrickson's really good. Hubbard's good. Um, we have decent safeties. Man, this is tough. I'm trying to think of, I'm going to say maybe, how did Awuzier perform last season? Because if that's the case, I would take Awuzier because you could pair him and move Aaron Robinson around a little bit, but Awuzie might be my take. Just because maybe I'm a little biased because of what the Giants' positions are going to turn out to be. But T. Higgins is also another good one, and uh, Tyler Boyd as well. Um, Jeff says more. I'm thinking of Darius Slayton is making the roster as a situational deep threat. His skill set is different from others on the team. And once again, I get it that not a lot of people are bought into him. Need he needs to perform. But there's no reason that the Giants, in my opinion, should make the $2 million cut and save that money for next year when you're going to have, I don't know, $70, $80 million in cap. just doesn't make sense. Where Slayton, okay, you could use him this year. Next year, he's he's done. Sign another receiver next year that takes the top off a defense. Do we got to do. But the Giants need Darius Slayton at a time where you have two injury-prone wide receivers. You have one... Two guys that are journeymen, Colin Johnson and Richie James, so you don't even know that they're going to perform. 
And then you have Kenny Galladay's issues, whether you're concerned about the regular season or not. Now, real quickly, because I know we're getting close to 1230, shout out to Taj. What's going on, Taj? Hardest working man on Twitter. He hasn't been that bad for a fifth rounder. He's been disappointing, but at the same time, yes, fifth rounder. Um, Let's talk about the Kenny Galladay situation. Obviously, he hasn't been good in camp. We know this. Um, You know, people are talking on Twitter. Well, well, his hip. Apparently, the doctors told the New York Giants that his hip would never be the same after the surgery they did how many years ago. And the Giants took a flyer on that and took a chance. And obviously, it's not paying off right now. Um, Kenny Galladay is not a fifth of this offense. That's one thing you can say. That's one thing I think the fan base universally agrees on. Kenny Galladay is no fit for this offense. Um, Are the camp issues with him not trying on some plays a little concerning? Yeah, but also it could be, well, he doesn't want to hurt himself for the regular season, or it could be the hip. One of those things could be true. Um, You know, the drop was unacceptable in the preseason game because that's a first down, and that – really hinders progression of the offense. Let's be honest. You know, Evan Neal could have got a couple of extra reps. Andrew Thomas could have got a couple of extra reps. You know, there's a lot of things to factor in there. And people are saying, well, Galladay shouldn't have laid out for the ball. You know, he doesn't have to try. It's the preseason, blah, blah, blah. I disagree with that and that notion because of this. I know a lot of players and, you know, different guys have been getting hurt this preseason, especially for the New York Giants. But one thing last year that the Giants didn't have was chemistry. They may not have chemistry to open up the season. Now, catching balls and not just being out there would create chemistry. Um, obviously, Kenny Galladay and Daniel Jones don't really have a direct rapport yet. Mostly last year was on uh, dagger routes and curls for Kenny Galladay and out routes as well to note. But he's got to try a little bit more because that helps out the offense, that helps out the morale, and it gets chemistry going. If it doesn't, you're going to have nothing in week one. It's going to be all the defense. So should people be worried? Yes. Should people overreact? No. But just keep a lookout. Just keep a lookout and see what happens as we go along. Um, I'm anxious to see how the coaching staff adapts to things throughout the season. I believe they'll be better than the past regimes. I believe they will too. Um, I'm not going to sit here and make any predictions as far as, you know, they're going to win the Super Bowl in a few years. I'm not going to go that far. But I think they're a little bit more competent. They're a little more new age with their analytics and the way they've been doing things, or, you know, where they're taking from at least. Um, because, you know, last year, last few years, it's just been the older shit. Like Pat Shermer came in and, uh, you know, he was trying to implement a West Coast offense and Daniel Jones succeeded compared to the last few years. But I guess the organization just was very dated in the front office. And that's why they selected some of the players. Um, is Kadarius Tony's health a worry? I believe it is. I believe Kadarius Tony's health is a worry and it all comes down to this. And I was talking to Donald on the boys and big apple podcast. Just say he is concerned about whether he's bought into football. And here's what I say. I'm not going to say that I agree with you right now, but if he comes into the season, he's healthy, healthy, you know, healthy, unhealthy, whatever. If he comes into the season like that and he's dropping passes on the field, then I could say he's not bought into football. He ain't focused. But right now, what I will say is when he's on the field, when he is on the field, Kadarius Tony, he is productive. That's where I could say he's bought into the football regiment. Otherwise, we got to see. We have to see. So my opinion, Kadarius Tony, extremely talented, probably one of the best talents on the team. 
So you got him. And he's just got to be productive when he's on the field. And he has to get on the field. He's productive when he's on the field, I should say. He's just got to get on the field. I don't know what it is. Is it, you know, the, the turf? Is it something? I don't know. But we've get, been getting a ton of injuries this training camp. And it, it's bothering me. It should bother anybody in that matter. Um, one more thing to talk about, of course, before we move into more of the, the Bengals subject, of course. Uh, the O-line depth is scarce for this team. Garrett McGinn, Max Garcia, those guys I don't think are going to cut it, in my personal opinion. Um, you know, you have Max Garcia now playing left guard for the first team. He probably will be demoted to the second team because I'm going to guess that Feliciano is going to play on Sunday. If he doesn't, it's a shame. Uh, so Ben Bredesen likely takes over at left guard. But Max Garcia, you know, who started 11 games last year for the Arizona Cardinals at left guard and center, it's a disappointment because I was expecting him to at least make the team. And the fact that he's, you know, playing with second, third team, it's not good. And especially when you're talking about this depth. They need to go to the waiver wire. It's pretty simple. Um, Jamil Douglas has been trash. Ben Bredesen's probably making the roster because of all the, you know, I would say the injuries. Uh, Devery Hamilton might make the roster, but he's never played an NFL game. He plays guard and tackle. Actually did pretty good last week in the Patriots game. Will Holden is probably going to be our backup tackle because Matt Parrott is not ready. And he's played in the NFL as a swing tackle for the Colts or the... uh, the Colts, the Lions, the Cardinals. So he'll probably make the team as the swing tackle. Roy Mbatika, he is a guy that, um, well, he, he's a Nigerian guy, and he's coming over playing the sport for the first time. He's not going to make the roster. He'll probably make the practice squad, and they'll probably have an exemption for him. Uh, Eric Smith, he plays a little bit of guard too, but he's not very good. He gave up three sacks against the Jets in 2019. Um, Nate Solder was out. He's just not very good. He's probably not going to make the roster. I would be surprised if he does. And then Garrett McGinn, uh, interior offensive lineman slash tackle. He could play center, but he might be a practice squad stick. I don't think he's making the roster uh, as an offensive lineman. They have to go out on the waiver wire. It's pretty damn simple. Um, Bookend says, yeah, I'm just saying we can't put one. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not putting those expectations in Darius Slayton. Uh, Galladay dropping is an issue, $72 million, one receiver, and no speed. His bread and butter is being a short catch receiver. I agree with that. With that being said, with that being said, we're going to move into our Bengals preview. With that being said, let me welcome on Scott Doherty. Scott, how are you doing today? How overall in a summary has Bengals camp looked? Hey, doing good today. Thanks for having me on. Um, So I would say broad overview camp has been mostly uneventful. You know, I think the the biggest news for Bengals camp was, you know, Burrow having the appendectomy and and missing the last few weeks. Um, In terms of, you know, performance and everything, I think it's been mostly good reports about people. Um, I know since the beat rollers can lean a little on the uh, optimistic side, so I think you get a lot of that. But overall, you know, haven't had any of those major injuries yet. Um, not a lot of competition in the sense of starting roles. You know, the team really returned almost every starter uh, from last year outside of uh, Larry Ogunjobi. They ultimately went, decided to basically give that contract to P.J. Hill instead of him. But outside of that, um, the other starter positions that were open, we really covered in free agency. So, you know, with uh, the signings on the O-line. So it was really not a lot to report, I would say. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I would characterize it as, as a solid camp thus far. Now, 
based on information from the beat, and also I, I would guess that the, you know it's open to fans. But um, who's been winning more, the offense or the defense? Um, I'd say it's gone back and forth. You you definitely had defensive days, and I think early on it was a lot heavier on the defense. Um, I think it's turned a little bit more to the offense, and you had like Burrow back this week. Um, you know, I think that kind of gave a boost, both him being on the field and just you know everyone excited again. Um, I, I would lean maybe slightly defense, especially in like those red zone sets. Um, I know there's been a lot of struggles there um just with kind of executing some of the ideas and again you know all that's happening you know without burrow and i and i obviously that's a huge factor to consider but um yeah i think the the defense has been solid now from an outsider looking in y'all signed alex kappa you got lyle collins and ted Karras in the offseason y'all drafted uh cordell volson in the fourth round how is the reconstruction of this of this offensive line look so far i would say Good with the caveat that we haven't really gotten to see what we think the first unit is going to be all together. You know, uh, Kappa started camp with a little bit of an injury. Um, Collins has been dealing with some back stuff. So they've been kind of managing him like ramp up, ramp down days. Um, one thing you'll find is Zach Taylor is extremely cautious around injury. I know fantasy players a couple years ago remember him keep saying that uh, Joe Mixon was almost back uh, for about 12 straight weeks. Uh, but that really does reflect the fact that he's very cautious. Um, so a lot of players that, you know, you see sitting out with injuries, it's not necessarily a freak out, not necessarily mean they're not going to be ready for the season, but he's always going to err on that side. So that said, you know, we, we haven't gotten to see that full lineup of the new guys, but um, we've gotten some great reports about Karis uh, kind of taking that leadership role, um, kind of mentoring some of the younger guys, you know, being a real stay late kind of guy. Um, the, the reports are, you know, Kappa and Collins, you know, even with the injuries, we're staying involved, you know, showing up, participating what they could, fighting to get on the field. So I think the attitude's all there. The, the um, you know, they're, they're starting to gel and everything. Um, we're just kind of still hopeful to really see that, that unit all together. Um, and it's funny you mentioned Volson, too, because that's actually the talk of this week now is, is after the first uh, preseason game here is who's going to be that left guard. Um, that's really the one big position battle that's been going on and that, you know, a lot of fans are wondering, you know, how's it going to turn out? So you have Jackson Carmen last year's second round pick, and then you got Bolson with this year's fourth round pick really seem to be the two guys there. And up until that preseason game, it seemed like, you know, the coaches were really leaning into Carmen. They think he had that experience. They thought he had cleaned up some of the immaturity, lack of focus that he had struggled with last year. So he had been getting all the first team snaps and, you know, everything was all but saying, you know, it's a competition, but but it Carmen's to lose. And now you have this first preseason game, and Carmen just, oof, it was a rough first half. He played with the first team, uh, stayed on all the way until halftime, and just was noticeably bad. You know, really, it, it was funny. The first team was three of the starters from the Super Bowl. Uh, you had Isaiah Prince, Akima Dinajai, and Jackson Carmen on that first team unit, um, and it was bad. I mean, it, it, it was exactly what the criticism was. Um, and really once they came out in the second unit, went in, there was still a lot of struggles there. Like, like O-line is still definitely the, the point to pay attention to, but you saw some improvement in particular Volson. You saw some really good run blocking. You saw some really good, uh, recognition and stunt pickup. Um, you know, obviously the, he was playing in the second half and he was playing against lower level competition, but seems like the coaches have noticed he got some first team snaps this week. Um, and Zach Taylor in his, uh, interview was saying, Hey, left guard isn't settled. So it really seems like we might turn this into a full-blown competition. 
Yeah, I actually made a connection last night because I was thinking about it. Cordell Volson's brother, who also played for North Dakota, uh, he was actually on the Giants practice squad. Tanner Volson was a few years ago, so I made a connection there. Um, but how did, how did Jackson Carmen do uh, last year? Obviously, we're talking about some focus issues. And are you guys uh, – well, let me ask you as well as it's more of a three-prompt question. How did Carmen do last year? Who are you possibly thinking is going to win that battle? And are you ready to throw Volson into the fire? Yeah, so um, starting with last year, I think Carmen, um, you know, was a disappointment with going Jamar Chase in the first, you know, I think most Bengals fans are behind that. You still had that push for Penny Sewell at late, but most fans had really gotten on board with Chase by the time the draft rolled around. But then it was like, okay, we really got to nail this second round pick. Like we know it's going to be O-line. We're going to hope that some guys fall to us. So um, when they picked Carmen, there was a lot of, you know, almost a who because he was not one of the names that had really been heavily tossed around. Um, but, you know, going into camp seemed to be uh, what you wanted. Um, he had, like, the recommendation of Willie Anderson, one of our longtime greats. Um, one of our old offensive line coaches had worked with him and recommended him. So everyone's like, okay, you know, th- they know what they're doing. But then coming out of camp, just couldn't win a starting spot. Um, we, did, we got a couple starts throughout the year. Um, they tried him at right guard, had some snaps at left guard. Um, you know, and everyone knew it was a transition. He was coming from left tackle. So at first it was going to be the switch in not only positions, but sides. Um, so I think people were willing to give him that ramp up, but just all throughout the year, even with injury, even with, you know, the disappointing play of the players in front of him, he just really could never establish himself. And I think that was just a huge red flag of his ability. And, and, and the few times he was on the field, you know, he, he certainly wasn't looking great. He had some balance issues, had some hand issues, um, had trouble picking up stunts, things like that. So all in all, just, I would say a huge disappointment. And, and there was a lot of, you know, attention on that and uh, pressure on that. So coming into this off season, that's where, you know, some of the reports were coming out. Maybe he had some immaturity issues. Um, maybe he wasn't working as hard as he needed to. Um, you know, I know some of off field stuff resurfaced from a few years ago and that was, um, you know, unfortunate that that came out the way it did. And, um, you know, I, I won't get into that because that's a whole other conversation. But we, basically, there was a lot of, you know, is this guy going to be on the team? Is this guy going to make the team? You know, what, what do we even have in him? So it, as much as it's hard to say, it, it almost felt like coming into this camp was like, a, this is your last chance, man. You know, and then all the positive reports started of, you know, he's focused, he's worked, he kept, a, he was staying in shape and all that. Early camp reports, it seemed like he was running with the ones and things are doing well. And then it's just preseason game looked like a lot of what we saw last year, you know, it, it, and, and, you know, you're not even playing ones, you know, for the most part against this, you know, Arizona sat a lot of people. So it, it was really concerning. And I think it really has swung open the door for Volson. Now, I think there's a lot of Bengals fans, especially like Twitter Bengals fans have really gotten behind Bolson. I think he has that attitude you love. Our O-line coach was raving about him, you know, after the draft. Um, and then there's just a lot of dissatisfaction with Carmen. So I think that's kind of made Bolson a little fan favorite, but then especially now after this preseason game where he showed up, had some real good blocks and, you know, just looked better. I think he is a little bit of a darling. Um, I will say for me, it does make me a little nervous. You know, he is a rookie. He did play at a smaller school. Um, I think uh, even though he looked better, you know, it wasn't, you know, a clean dominant game, you know, he wasn't showing out as like, you know, a lineman that is blowing everybody away. So I would be a little nervous if he ends up being the guy. I think, you know, I would 
imagine, honestly, they might try and bring back Quentin Spain at that point, or maybe look at some of the other camp cuts just to shore up the line. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it, it remains to be seen, but it, it's an interesting, interesting situation. You know, I think we feel good for the most part about the other four starters, but then it's like left guard's a question mark. And then really after that depth is a question mark. So I think Bengals fans are just hoping let's have another healthy year like last year. So one of the players I've been wondering about, especially now that we have a veteran right tackle, is Joseph Asai. Ended his season early last year, um, didn't get to play because of a season-ending injury. I believe that was his ACL, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Um, How is he progressing through camp so far, and is he on track to play versus the Giants on Sunday? Yeah, so he's been an issue one. They've been a little quiet about him, have been a little careful with him. Um, I think there was an expectation just, uh, you know, he had that awesome preseason game last year and was uh, kind of seen as, you know, a devastating loss. And, and throughout the year, you kind of noticed that our pass rush would die uh, without Trey Hendrickson. You know, it was really kind of a, a one-man show driving it. So coming into this year, I think a lot of people were like, okay, well, that preseason game showed he's got the juice. So let, let's get him back in camp. Let's get him back and, and see what we got. And not much about him, honestly. You know, he's been in there. Um, he's another player they've been kind of taking baby gloves with um, on certain things, just kind of ramping him back up. As far as, you know, the, the beat reports, you know, there isn't anything that he's being specifically sidelined. Um, so, you know, I think fingers crossed we're going to get to see him this week and, and get him out there because I know that's a player – there's a lot of, you know, kind of like Carmen last year, there, there's a little bit riding on him this year. Like, hey, you got to come in and be that other pass rusher. And, uh, you know, asking a lot of players, we've seen one preseason game of. But um, I will say outside of him, we did have a couple rookies that that are looking good. Um, one is uh, Jeffrey Gunter, who's a defensive end we took in the seventh this year. And he actually has really been getting a lot of positive press in camp and has kind of been a little bit what Osai la- was last year of oh man, maybe this guy can do it. And then he did have a, a sack and some good showing in uh, this preseason game. So that's a player to keep an eye on going into this week. This guy's been a little bit of over-memed maybe for Bengals fans. Eli Apple, is he actually that bad at corner? Is he, you guys feel it's like an overreaction? Um, how do Bengals fans be, feel about him overall? Um, it's funny you mentioned that actually Drew Crabtree, who's the other Bengals writer for me at, uh, last word of sports, uh, he just put out an article defending Eli Apple. So I highly recommend if wow. anybody's to go take a look at that. Cause Drew is fantastic. Um, and I will say, I kind of echo where he's at on that. I think Eli Apple, you know, he came, when he came on, um, Bengals fans were very dour on it. It was, you know, why what, what what is this guy going to bring but you know he was coming in as the fourth fifth cornerbacks so no one really thought much of it we thought trey waynes was finally gonna you know show what we signed him for um so i think uh when he was forced in that starting role every Bengal fan was terrified you know for those first few weeks but honestly was better than he had been in the past in my opinion and honestly was not you know as big a liability as people think you know I know everyone's going to remember the Super Bowl that that's something you can't just can't shake but overall throughout the year he was a player where it was like you know we could do a lot worse and and he even did have some some key plays at moments so I think pretty much everybody in Bengals fan was certainly fine with him coming back you know especially on the deal we brought him back on I do think in general there's the hope of like let's not force him into that number two cornerback role again, you know, let's not count on him. You know, what if last year was a little bit lightning in a bottle kind of thing. Uh, but overall, I think it's, it's mostly positive feelings towards him. And it's like, you know, he's a solid player that we can rely on in a certain role. 
is I think got kind of the hope. Um, now our second round pick, uh, Cam Taylor Britt, who was kind of the, the guy that everyone was hoping would come in and take that number two cornerback spot. Um, he's had a core muscle injury and the, the last reports are saying that might be a few weeks. So we're definitely not going to see him this week. Um, hopefully maybe the Rams preseason game, but, but just the fact that he's out, I'd say, I don't see how we're not starting the season at least with Eli Apple at that number two cornerback. So I'd say, um, you know, that's something that fans just have to make their peace with, um, you know, maybe perhaps throughout the season, Taylor Britt comes in, takes over that role and kind of pushes uh, Eli Apple down. But I, I think overall, it'll be fine. You know, uh, the, the unit as a whole is solid enough that even if he is the worst guy out there, it's not something that's going to kill us, I think is where we're at. And then before we get into some players to look at and all that stuff, what are some weak spots and strong spots coming into the year for the Cincinnati Bengals? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously we talked about it left guard that that's really the thing worries people more than anything else. You know, any, anything that can threaten Joe is what's always going to be the alarm for Bengals fans. So I think, wanting to see one of these guys really take a step and you know if it's Volson even if it's Carmen comes roaring back this game and really looks good I think fans would be perfectly happy with that we just need to have some confidence there um I think depth in the trenches in general you know like I said the none of our you know the the new signings and Jonah Williams didn't play on the O-line so our starters were all our backups and they just looked awful I mean Adenajai still struggling Prince is looking like he might be the backup swing tackle right now and he struggled uh, we had some undrafted free agent rookies we tried and, you know, other than Volson, it just was like, oof, man, hope we don't have to rely on any of these guys. So that that's a huge one. And then on the D line, you know, we're really looking for some other pieces to come in. We, we love the starting guys we got and Hubbard and Hendrickson inside. You got uh, BJ Hill and DJ reader, but it's like, after those guys, who's going to step up? Is it going to be Osai? Is it going to be Zach Carter, third round pick? Is it going to be Gunter that I mentioned? So, I think it's really figuring out who's going to take over those. And then um, I'd say the last position is just kind of, we have a little bit of a wide receiver battle going at that bottom of the depth chart, you know, that fifth, sixth spot, a um, couple undrafted rookies that are both been showing out in camp and showed out a little bit this last game. So I think that one's more of a, uh, you know, we, we don't need a fourth, fifth wide receiver for a lot of things, but if we do, you know, maybe there's somebody we can have a little more confidence in than what we were thinking. So yeah, I mean, overall, just based on what you're saying, plus the starters not playing this week, I would be a little bit scared because I, I guess our starters are going to play this week because we have a Jets training, uh, Jets joint practice, and I'm going to guess that's where the starters are going to play, and they're not going to play in the third preseason game. So Aziz Ojolari is back for us. Kayvon's still healthy. Leonard Williams is probably going to get healthy by then. So I would be a little scared, but also if they don't attack for some reason, um, I would be a little bit underwhelmed. Not gonna lie to you. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, I will say, like, uh, the I, if if your players can't can't win against our line, that's definitely cause of concern. Yeah. Um, so let's get into the nitty gritty. Of course, who are five most five players you're most excited to see in this game with the stars not playing? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So Bolson, I, I really have become a fan of, so I'm kind of wanting to see him get that shot on the first team, first reps this year, uh, this game. Um, see, see if what we saw in the first game really carries through, see if that was just, you know, him playing against lesser competition. Um, the two wide receivers I mentioned earlier, Kwame Laster and Kendrick Pryor, um, both of them have shown real, like really cool flashes. Uh, this game in particular, Pryor had some, just like a one-handed grab had a really good sideline catch. Um, you know, we, we have our big three, but like, uh, 
either any of those three go down, it's pretty much been like, well, we're sunk at wide receiver. So kind of wanting to see, you know, are these guys the real deal? Can they show out? And just also they, they've just both been fun to watch in camp so far. They both made some highlight real plays. Um, defensive side, I'd say, you know, I'd really love to see Cam Taylor Brand. It's really, it's really unfortunate he's injured. Uh, but Dax Hill, our first round pick, we got to see a little bit of him in the first game. He made some plays um, out there. They kind of lined him up in a few spots. So I'd like to see that again because it seems like ideally they want to use him as kind of that jackknife, you know, moving around safety, moving around corner, um, have him come up and blitz. So I just kind of want to see if they use him a little more creativity. Um, then beyond that, you know, the again, the, the two rookies on the D-lines, uh, Zach Carter and Jeff Gunter, uh, both played great, both played the entire game. You know, they had the option to come out and wanted to stay and get more reps. And um, both of them would be such a huge boost to that pass rush if they can pan out. So I just want to pay a little closer attention to them and see, you know, how they're winning and, you know, especially if you guys are playing starters and how they do against, you know, maybe a little tougher competition. Yeah. Um, so for me, five players I'm excited to see. I'll run it off real quickly. Uh, I feel like Darius Slayton is one of the players is an honorable mention because I have five others, um, you know, especially with this Galladay news and Kadarius Tony and Sterling Shepard hurt. I think he's a guy that could step up, take the top off of the defense in, in real season games. He's been that player in the past, and I feel like this is a game he could go off. And one of the first games that he was recognized was actually the Bengals game when he made that fantastic catch uh, in Cincinnati in 2019. Uh, Devery Hamilton, who's been a depth guy, uh, he was with the Raiders last year was undrafted free agent. Um, you know, he's he's looked good in camp, but it's going to come down to whether he can actually play in regular season games. And last week he did very well against the Patriots. It's got to be the same this week. Ben Bredesen probably might earn some snaps at center, if not left guard one. So hopefully he plays better, um, you know, than he did last year because he was pretty much a, reli a liability in both passing and uh, run blocking. Uh, Aziz Ojolari, he's back, and, you know, you guys are playing your second teamers, so I would expect him to at least make a few plays. And then uh, Aaron Robinson, who struggled last week, obviously, once again, not playing starters, but if you guys have any speedy receivers, I would recommend that Robinson play on them because he needs that. They've been pairing him up against Galde in camp, and Galde has no speed, so that's not going to teach Robinson anything. Um, five roster bubble players that need a performance boost, in your opinion. Um, well, <laughs> I wouldn't call him roster role, but I, I think the, the team needs to see more of Carmen. If, if Carmen wants to get that starting spot, he's got to show something. Um, I'd say also on the O-line, we have, a uh, Lamont Gallard was one of the, uh, undraft free agents we brought in, you know, with, with our death being what it is, we, we thought either him or one of the couple others might take a spot, but again, he hasn't really shown too much. So it, it, it's honestly starting to look like we're probably other than Volson just rolling with the same backups as last year, you know, Carmen and Dinajai Prince. So, um, and then Cochran, Devin Cochran is the, the tackle undraft creation, same situation for him. You know, he, one of them needs to show something if they're going to take a spot of from an Adenijai, from a Prince um, or not. Um, Deontay Smith. Uh, so he is a pick from last year, also on the O-line uh, injured most of last year. There was a lot of hope around him. We actually, uh, drafted him, I think, um, like one round before Trey Smith went to the Kansas City Chiefs, who ended up being awesome. Um, and then so far in this year in camp, he's been sidelined with injury as well. And so he's another player that it's like if you can't even, you know, get through a healthy camp, um, I, I don't see him catching on. Um, and then outside of them at uh, wide receiver, I'd say Trent Norwin. So uh, our top three superset, obviously, at wide receiver. Usually we carry six. Um, Trent Taylor's been doing a lot of the punt return. 
Uh, he also works in the slot, so it seems like he's pretty good. And then you got Lassiter and Pryor fighting, and you know most people have thought only one of them because they kind of got similar builds, similar skill sets. But both have been showing out so well, it's possible both of them make it as bottom of the roster, and that would kind of leave Trenton Irwin, the odd man out. And he was kind of our our fifth, sixth guy, big bodied receiver, comes in on red zone sets, but uh, been real quiet, uh, hasn't really shown much. So I could see him being a casualty or maybe end up on the practice squad. All right, so for for me, Max Garcia, um, I don't know if he's playing with the ones or the twos. Once again, depends on John Feliciano, but he's a veteran, started 11 games for the Bengals, not the Bengals, the Cardinals last year uh, at center and left guard, and he's been really disappointing. Uh, It seems like the coaching staff has no faith in him, and that's not good knowing the fact that we don't have a lot of O-line depth outside of Ben Bredesen, and a ton of guys for us are getting injured. Uh, Robert Foster, uh, he showed a little bit last preseason game. He's had a quiet camp, had an injury uh, when I was actually there. But he needs to show out a little bit, uh, make himself, you know, uh, stand out from these other guys. Tight end Jordan Akins, he's just been, you know, totally just not there in camp. Uh, no receptions, not necessarily great as a blocker. So he needs to have a real good game against the Bengals, you know. And this is probably where the starters are going to play, but Akins hasn't lined up with the starters. Uh, defensive lineman Nick Williams, they're putting in a lot of defensive linemen in terms of rotating. Uh, Nick Williams was a star of the past few years with the Lions, uh, the Bears. I think he was with the Steelers at one point. Um, so he's been with a couple of different teams, and he needs to stick onto a roster, especially at this point in his career. I think he's like 30, 31. And we could use him in the running game and in the passing game just as a rotational defensive lineman. So there. And then if Rodarius Williams ends up playing, which I don't know that he will, um, we need some depth in that secondary, and I think Rodarius Williams can be one of those guys. Any matchups that you're looking forward to, uh, for example, one of mine that I'm looking forward to is Evan Neal and Joseph Asai. Yeah, I mean, uh, if Osai gets in the game, I would love to see that because, you know, again, he's a player we need to see. Or And if he's not, then I would like to see Evan O'Neill versus uh, Jeffrey Gunter, um, who should rotate in in that spot because, you know, he, he did really flash, and that would be an excellent challenge for him to go up against. Um, I am also looking to see just in general, like, can Bolson hold up? If, if you guys are playing, you know, some actual starters, I would love to see how he handles, you know, that extra pressure out there, handles the blitz recognition and pickup. Um, I did also get to mention um, – we had a, a little bit of a sensation in the fourth quarter with Drew Plitt. He was a uh, camp body. We signed a quarterback, kind of came in and led the only success, one of the only successful drives of the game. So um, Brandon Allen's still working through the concussion protocol. So I would love to see if Plitt gets a chance maybe against the, maybe not the ones, but at least against the twos and see if he's somebody that's worth keeping on as, you know, more than just a, a training camp arm. Yes. Um, with that being said, Jeff has a question. What happened to that number one pick lineman from Alabama? Is he still playing? Held out for a huge contract. Can't remember his name. Well, Jesse Bates is holding out for a contract. At least maybe I'm wrong on that. But also the the lineman from Alabama, that was Jonah Williams. Uh, what are those two looking like this camp? Because I know Jesse Bates and all the, the franchise tag stuff and Jonah Williams. I mean, he's been on and off with injuries the last few years. Right. So uh, Bates, he hasn't signed his franchise tag yet. So he's not at camp. Um, He was at the preseason game. He like sat in a box and, you know, uh, has uh, been posting pictures, you know, him training on his own and everything. Um, I think the general expectation is he'll sign the tender right for the season. He'll show up and play on the franchise tag and then uh, probably gone next year. Uh, It seems like they're just real far apart. We haven't really gotten firm numbers, but it just sounds like Bates and his agent won. 
more per year and more guaranteed than Bengals are willing to give. Um, and, you know, Bengals camp has all but basically said, like, hey, we got to play Burrow and Chase soon. So, like, this is our offer. This is what we can do. So, um, you know, I, I'm a big Bates fan. I'm, I'm excited to see him on the field. I think we're a better team with him on the field. But it, it does seem like the writing on the wall, this is going to be the last year. So, um, you know, the pick of Dax Hill and then Tyson Anderson again in the fifth, you know, it, it seems the team, the team is just preparing for life beyond him. Um, and then Williams, uh, Williams looked good. You know, he, he was able to have his best year last year. Uh, well, better year since he only had two actually playing. Um, so this is going to be his fourth, but technically his third with that missed year. Um, and I think there's optimism that he might take that, that next step. He was really, you know, that above average to good left tackle last year, you know, was reliable, was good in the run game, good in the pass game was easily the best player on the line. Um, but I think this year, a lot of fans are hoping, like, can he step up and be a great left tackle, you know, step into that upper tier um, before we have to decide what kind of contract we're him. So he, he will be, we did pick up his fifth year options. You know, we know we have him at least these next two years, but um, I think it's the hope is that he shows he's worthy of really investing that long-term deal into him. And, and I think uh, for the most part, people expect he will. So I'm going to rattle off my matchups real quickly. Uh, Max Garcia or Ben Bredesen against DJ Reader. Uh, known defensive lineman, was with the Texans for a few years, and I'm really looking for to see what they do against a bigger and a tougher interior defensive lineman. Uh, as I mentioned, Aaron Robinson against either Stanley Morgan, Mike Thomas, Trent Taylor. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau against Isaiah Prince, and Zizo Jolari against Deontay Smith. Uh, I'm not going to be... Uh, sugarcoating this, I want them to get to the quarterback. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's going to be Brandon Allen this week. Um, with that being said, Scott, final thoughts and where can people find you? Yeah, um, no, I would say final thoughts. You know, I, I, I uh, really find it interesting coming at a training camp this year, you know, without having a lot of uh, big starting spots. So it's been interesting to really have time to pay attention to a lot more of those like bottom of the roster guys pay attention to a lot more of those camp battles. It's kind of given a new perspective on, you know, what camp is for a lot of these guys. So it's, it's been an interesting experience. I'm looking forward to kind of seeing if anybody really makes a name for themselves next uh, this week against the giants. Um, but then, yeah, as far as find me, you know, I write for the last word on sports, you know, check my articles there for the Bengals. I'm on Twitter, Uber scooter. Um, and then, yeah, thanks for having me on. One more question before you go. I don't oh, know if this certainly. is, I don't know if this guy's trolling or if he's being serious. Would you say with the early success with of, of Joe Burrow, is he already the greatest Bengal of all time? You know, I, it, Anthony Munoz still has that title among Bengals fans, but I will yeah. say this. The love I have seen from Bengals fans for Burrow is more than I've ever seen for any single player. You know, I the, him coming in and kind of changing the culture so quickly and then obviously, you know, ending the playoff drought, taking us to the Super Bowl, all that. I don't know if any player has ever been as loved by Bengals fans so quickly. Um, and I think kind of the expectation and the pressure now is, oh, he's going to be the greatest Bengal of all time when it's all said and done. So, you know, I, I think most fans recognize he still has a bit of a road to get there just in terms of longevity with the team and, you know, accolades and everything. But he's off to about as good a start with Bengals fans as you can ask for. Obviously, Scott's stuff is in the description. His pieces, uh, there's a link there. And also, as well, his Twitter. Scott, thank you for making the time in your day to come on. And I enjoyed the discussion, my man. Yeah. And thank you for having me on and back at you. This is great. All right. So that is not the end of the podcast. I have one more thing to go through, and then we 
we are uh, going to cut it out here. But I appreciate you guys. I love doing this. We finally got a Bengals guy on. And, you know, last week we didn't get a Pats guy on until uh, actually later in the week when it was actually a recap. But uh, I, I'm glad that Scott was able to come on. He had to do something at 1 o'clock. So I'm like, you know, can we do 1230? And he was glad to oblige. Um, but great discussion overall. Uh, I had Sarah Marshall on last week, and I'm hoping to get a Jets guy on uh, next week. Um, but it's going to be combined episodes, of course, because I am going to Florida. I'm not coming back till Wednesday. So Friday is going to be my recording day, and Saturday will be the put-out day. But, of course, uh, live edition here. Uh, Bookend says, bro is a special player. Uh, Jets mess mess made a good point. Yes, Boomer Esiason. Shouts to uh, my brother, Luca, in the chat, Jeff, Jeffrey, um, and anyone else who's still here. So I got one more topic before we leave. Um, what is that topic you ask? Questions to answer going into this game. Who plays better, Daniel Jones or Tyrod Taylor? Um, that's a question to answer, obviously. That's a question to answer. Um, you know, it's got, they're going to be playing twos and threes. That's going to be the case. But you got to look good against whoever you're playing against. And Daniel Jones, in my opinion, with more snaps, has to look better this week. Uh, miscues will happen, but I'm not trying to be too much of a fanboy and say shut the haters up, but he needs to be a little bit more consistent, a little more decisive. He looked good last week. Just hopefully I, – I want a touchdown of the first team, okay? That is at least – like I don't want to see too many shutout drives, whether it's Kadarius Tony or Kenny Gallaudet or whoever on the field. I want to see a – touchdown drive from the first team because we almost had it in the Patriots game obviously we did uh Tyrod Taylor he had a couple of missed throws almost a couple of interceptions but he looked a little bit more fluid with more snaps as the game went on uh which backup cornerback improves more Zion Gilbert or Darren Evans two undrafted free agents one from a smaller school one from a bigger school and then you also have to add in Elijah Griffin who I don't know too much about uh, he's a guy they picked up from Buffalo last year. He was an undrafted free agent at USC. So he's probably going to play this week. Darren Evans, Zion Gilbert, both were hurt by the back shoulder fade last week. They couldn't turn around to save their damn lives. I would like to think that Jerome Henderson pressed on that this week in practice or will press on this issue this week. Um, you know, with that being said, we'll see who improves more. And whoever that guy is will have a shot to make the roster more than the other guy. I don't think it's actually going to be even Collinsworth. Yes, Collinsworth. You're right. Kenny Anderson, Joe Montana battle. Yes. Um, do do the Bengals have an easy schedule? If they do, then I think Super Bowl or even playoffs. I know the Giants have a very easy schedule. I think they'll be back in the playoffs. I don't think it's a one-year wonder. They made sure to patch up some of the holes. And I know that uh, Scott was talking about uh, Jackson Carmen at left guard and Cordell Boson. Um but anyway, I think they've patched up. They didn't just run it back with some of the guys they have on the team. Does Max step? Uh, does Max Garcia step up in the big time? That's got to be the question. Um, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see if he actually plays with the ones this week because maybe John Feliciano is back. He's got to step up overall because Ben Bredesen cannot be the only depth guard we have. The Giants really don't want to go out there, and I don't really want to go out there and have to go on the waiver wire searching for depth. I don't want to do that. With that being said, he's got to step up. He's got to step up. 11 games started. He's got too much of an impressive resume of the last few years to be going down like this. And we need him. So step up. 
which edge guy impresses the most. I think you'll see Ojolari pop out and cave on with the first team, but you got to find out who's the depth. Uh, Ellerson Smith didn't look great in that first preseason game. Quincy Roche made the most plays of, of any edge, but still wasn't spectacular. So there's that. Um, they got to improve. Tamon Fox, I'm expecting him to possibly make a play or two. Jihad Ward, I don't even know if he's going to play. O'Shane Zimenez, he's probably going to play. So it's going to be interesting to see which edge guy impresses the most. I'm really looking for that back end, but I'm going to be a little disappointed. Honestly, once again, maybe it's a fanboy thing if Aziz or any of the guys, period, don't get to the passer uh, in terms of the first team. Now, does the Giants D-line and linebacker core continue to pummel the run? Here is the running back room. Outside of Joe Mixon for the Bengals, it's Samaje Perrine, Chris Evans, Travion Williams, Jax Patrick, Shamari Jones. Um, I don't know the last two. I know Williams, I know Evans, and I know Samaje Perrine. Uh, with this offensive line, the way they're looking and the way Scott described it with uh, Kima Denergy, Dante Smith, and some of the other guys struggling, I would expect to pummel the run again. Uh, not that our defensive line is ex- you know, spectacular outside of the first team, but the linebackers are. Uh, Darren, uh, Darren Beavers, Micah McFadden, Tay Crowder, those guys need to feast. And Carter Coughlin, in my opinion, if he plays this week, he needs to feast because we need to see a little bit more out of him. He didn't play, I don't think, against the Pats. Uh, Cam Brown, we need to see more out of him. So those guys need to step up against the run, against the pass, whatever. They got to step it up this week. Uh, will I be live for the game on Sunday? I will not. I will be in Florida um, showing my age it's all fine and well listen whether it's new knowledge whether it's knowledge from the 80s it's always accepted here but be sure to like comment and subscribe turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or a video drops everybody i appreciate you coming uh, uh, all of you coming out to this uh, podcast episode great interview with scott uh previewing the Bengals matchup this will be found very shortly on spotify podbean wherever you get your podcasts on an audio version uh, I will also have Twin Bill up on the podcast platforms as well. If you're a Yankees fan, if you listen to NYY News TV, uh, no content likely for the rest of the week leading until uh, next week, actually. So probably no content on this channel for a solid seven, eight days, uh, unless I decide to make something quick and you know something happens in Florida. So uh, with that being said, guys, peace out, guys. See you later and stay cool. Uh-huh.